giving me the direction to preach. All day I've had a burden. It's a good kind of burden. But it's also a burden that concerns you. It's something Dennis spoke about a while back. And I just preached this sermon a week before. And I don't know if you are concerned about the spiritual condition of America. Thank God for the land of liberty. I wouldn't want to live in another place anywhere on this earth. I thank God that I'm an American. That I have freedom tonight to stand in a place like this and proclaim the good news of the gospel that Jesus Christ is King of Kings. He's Lord of Lords. He left heaven. He came to earth. He died on a rugged cross for our sins. He was resurrected. He ascended back to heaven and he's coming again. Amen. That's my hope though. It's not America. Praise God. But I do thank God for all the material wonderful advantages that we have that God has bestowed upon us. We are of all the nations so extremely blessed from our Father up on high with all the good gifts. None of us probably can remember the last time we've been hungry. Look at us, you can tell. We're dressed nice. We got a home with a roof over our head. But out of all those things, they mean nothing if you don't know Jesus. Because they're all going to pass away. Nothing will compare. The most beautiful, scenic thing you can find on the property called America has nothing to compare to what he sang about a while ago, Beulah Land. When you step into that place where God lives and you'll be with him forever, nothing will ever be better than that. But I am convinced today that not only is the spiritual condition of America in trouble, but the spiritual condition of the church is in an extremely low place. And as you look here tonight and we want to talk about something, and I left my little thing here. I don't know about you, but I believe that there's a whole lot of people today in the church that is settled for a spiritual substitute. They've encountered something that's not the true, genuine Christianity that Christ died on the cross for us to have. And they've settled for a lot less than the real thing. And I want to talk to us tonight about counterfeit Christianity. And I want to tell you something. I am a person who is addicted to sugar. And I like things that are sweet. And when I want a cold drink, I want a Coke. And when I say Coke, that might mean a, 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 all kind of root beer, a bark, but a Coke means everything. Coke is the Coke. It's the drink that I like. And I don't know about you, but I, I see what sugar's doing to us. And you can look at me and tell I don't need to be having a lot of sugar. And so I've tried to quit drinking Coke. So I, I, I got this thing they call a Diet Coke. And I tried to drink one. And my mom even told me, keep drinking them, you'll get used to them. They're better for you. And you know, after a while, I kept drinking that Diet Coke. Before long, I got where they wasn't that bad. But then, I drank a real Coke. And you know, I've come to the conclusion, I'd rather not drink a Coke than drink a stinking Diet Coke. It's like drinking medicine. You know, there's this thing called salt substitute. I say, Lord, please don't take that from me. Because if I got to use that stuff, I'd rather die than eat without salt. Amen? But you know what? Today I am convinced that a lot of people has fallen for a spiritual substitute. Satan's spiritual substitute. I want you to look at this with me here. The great objective of Jesus, my friend, is to save the lost. 
What does that mean? To see men reconciled and brought into a right relationship with God. And friends, listen, if that's his greatest objective, and I believe he came to seek and to save that which is lost. Now there's a lot of people that can say, I'm saved. But what does that mean to be saved? It means that you're in a relationship with God. A relationship means that God knows you and you know God. Y'all have encountered one another, that you met him. He's a reality, an everyday conscience place that you think about him. You're God conscience of God, and you've met God, and you live for God, and you're reconciled with him. And now you are part of the family, amen? But if that's Jesus' chief objective, I want you to understand this. The great objective of Satan is to deny the lost world access to Jesus. The last thing Satan wants anybody in the church tonight to do is to encounter Jesus Christ in a personal, real way that reconciles you, that takes you out of the darkness of the confusion of religion and brings you from religion to relationship. Jesus didn't die on a cross to make us religious. He died on a cross to give us a relationship where we can be reconciled and have a relationship with God where we hear him and he hears us and he's actively involved in our life. And then if you encounter God, it changes you. I got married. It changed my life. Amen. If you meet Jesus, it'll change your life. And there's too many people in the church today that they're not a whole lot different than anybody else. The truth of the matter today that the average person sitting in a pew in the American church today is much more a product of American culture than he is a disciple of Jesus Christ in the Word of God. If you really looked at us and examined us by our habits and the activities and the way we act and the things we do, we much more resemble the world than we do the kingdom. And we act like that's okay. And we go to church and we have spiritual wonderful things in America thank God for a church where you can come and hear music like this and you can be stirred and have your heart touched by the message that those songs sing with these wonderful musicians that God has gifted for his glory and we can be in a place like this that the atmosphere is a sanctuary set apart to where we can encounter God but guys listen none of this means anything if you're not in a real relationship with him And guys, Paul gave a message that he spoke of. And if it's ever been this time, we're in these times. In chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, he says, But know this, that in last days perilous times will come. And then he describes what men will be like in these days. He says, For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters. That means braggarts. Why will they be braggarts? Because they'll be proud. (laughs) They'll be blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Friends, that is rampant in the church today. I've been pastoring three churches, and it breaks my heart how parents and children are today in the culture in which we live. No respect. And the Bible says to honor your parents. And friends, listen to this. It says that they'll be disobedient to their parents. They'll be unthankful. That means they're ungrateful. They'll be unholy unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty lovers of pleasure 
rather than lovers of God. They'll rather be pleasured and do what they want than love God. And friends, you read that. And I'd say, well, amen. Of course, atheists, unbelievers, they're those who have no God and believe there is no God. I would expect that from them. Because without God, there's no restraints. There's no accountability. There's no boundaries. But guys, this is not people who have no God. Because this next verse troubles me to the very core of who I am. He says they're going to have a form of godliness. He says, but they're going to deny the power of God. Listen to what he goes on and says. Having a form of godliness but denying its power and from such people turn away. He goes on and he describes these people. He gives you two people from the Old Testament who were people who resisted the truth. Friends, you can't be a Christian if you resist the truth. And listen, he, they were people who were connected with the people of God. They were people who were in the family of God. They were Israelites. They were under Moses' authority. But they resisted the truth. And then he says that they will progress no further and their folly will be manifest to all. And then he, he talks to them. He says they're always learning but they're never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Do you know that he's talking about people here that aren't people who reject God. This is not the crowd out there who are opposed to Christianity and a God. This is people who have a form of godliness. They go to church somewhere. They're being taught about God somewhere because they're always learning about God, but they're never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And because they're never able to come to the knowledge of the truth, even though they're learning about God, even though they're hearing things about God, their life is not changing because they're not experiencing the power of God. And may I tell you tonight that the greatest thing God will ever do to you is save you. And when He saves you, His chief purpose as long as he leaves you here is to set you apart and sanctify you and make you like himself and he is going to sanctify us he's going to work out his plan and purpose in our life and guys listen he says about this guy right here that what's going to happen if you look at this next one he says they're having a form of godliness but denying its power from such people turn away And then if you look at the last verse I want to look at, he says in verse 13, But evil men and imposters, I had it up there, I thought, there it is. Imposters, that's where that word got me, imposters, which is a counterfeit. There's going to be imposters in the church, beloved. Men who are deceived and men who are deceiving others. Listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says, Beloved, In 1 John chapter 4 verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And guys, today, there is a spirit in the church that people, you can preach the word. We got churches preaching the word. And and I don't think our problem is bad theology. Because most of the churches I hang out with, most of the preachers I'm hanging with and hearing about are preaching the book. But the book is not affecting us. There are some people who's never convicted. They never repent. They come and they like church and they're spiritual, but they're not godly. And friends, I want you to think about this. 
he said these men will be imposters. What is an imposter? An imposter is a counterfeit. And this is what a counterfeit is. Counterfeit is something made in the exact imitation of something valuable or important with an intention to deceive and defraud. There's nothing more valuable, there's nothing more important than what true salvation really is. In John chapter 17 verse 3, when Jesus prayed to the Father as he was preparing to leave his beloved disciples and go to the cross, he said, God has given me authority over all people to give way salvation. And he says, and this is eternal life, to know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. Friends, eternal life doesn't start when you go to heaven. Eternal life starts when you meet Jesus. Eternal life starts the day you get saved. What is eternal life? Eternal life is to be in a relationship. What does a relationship look like? Satan's spiritual substitute. I want you to look at this with me tonight. And I wanted it up here for you can use your visual abilities. But I'm going to tell you what. Satan's spiritual substitute is he's given a lot of people. I call it Sunday religion. Tonight it's Thursday religion. But he's given us a weekly dose of religion in place of a daily relationship with God. And if you can go to church on Sunday and that's enough for you and you can get up on Monday and you can go where everybody else goes and do what everybody else does and what does and watch what everybody else watches on the television and you can participate with everybody else wherever they go for entertainment and you don't think about God till Sunday or Thursday You are someone who has been lied to. And you have accepted something that is not the true. God died to give us a relationship. Died God so that we could know him. Jesus didn't die just to make us religious where we go to church on Sunday. He died so that we could have a daily relationship with him. And friends, listen. When you meet Jesus, I don't know about you, but Jesus comes into your life. You ever tried to get away from Jesus? You ever said, Jesus, leave me alone? You know what I love about Jesus? He's way more faithful than me. I'd have given up on me so long ago. But you know what? Jesus showed me it didn't take me very long. He said, when you meet me, I've come into your life. And friends, this is what we need to understand something. When you give your life to Jesus, you either give him everything, and then he'll give you everything. Because if you don't give him everything, he's not going to give you anything. And we think that it's just this religious experience where we can go to church on Sunday. Let me tell you what happens when you get in a relationship with Jesus. The moment you get saved, He forgives you of your sins. Then He goes to work in your life to deliver you from sin. You see, what Satan wants you to do is be satisfied to just be religious. You don't ever really pray. You don't ever really care about the Word of God. So you're not a student of the Word. The words, you're not hungry for it. Dennis, if there's one thing I love about Brother Dennis, he hammers this with, get in the Word. Let the Word get in you. Faith comes from hearing and hearing comes from the Word of God. And all the gifts that grace offers you comes from the ability to trust God, to believe God enough to claim them by faith. And all the promises of God comes from the Word of God. But a person who doesn't care about the Word of God, I wonder if he's ever met the God of the Word. Because when you meet Jesus, it's a life-changing experience. This is not just someone you add to your life like a child when he gets born. As important as that is, 
That's not as important as Jesus if you ever meet him. Getting married will change your life. How many people's married here? Did it disrupt things? Did your agenda have to change? When you get up in the morning, do you know you're married? If you forget you're married, you'll get reminded real quick you are. When you meet Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and He washes you and cleanses you, and He takes your sins from you, and then He puts His Spirit in you, His presence of His life. How can you remain the same? I'll say this to the day I die. If you're dead in sin one moment, and then you get saved, and you're made alive in Christ the next moment, and you're born again, it don't take a theologian to figure out something happened. Amen? And when that happens, you enter into a relationship to where God goes to work in your life. If you know Jesus, I promise you, the first thing Jesus is going to begin to do is to convict you of your sin. It's impossible to walk with Christ and have an abiding, close relationship and not be convicted. He convicts us. It's a good thing. Amen? The world says conviction is bad. Guilt's unhealthy. I'm here to tell you guilt is necessary. Because until you're guilty, until you realize you're convicted of your sin, you're never going to call on Jesus to save you, much less change you. And Jesus loves you. And I don't know about the Jesus that you know, but the Jesus that I met does not leave me to live in practical, habitual sin. I'm a sinner, but he won't let me be sinful. You see, we all sin. He loves us. But when you sin because of the weakness of who you are, that's one thing. But you can begin to go from sinning, from being a sinner, to sinning. And you can practice it. You can do it on a regular basis. And if you keep doing it, at first when you do it, your, your heart, boy, it's tender. Have you noticed yet? Your conscience is, is very easily, but it'll get seared. The longer you walk, it's, you see, we're all sinners. We all can be sinning. But I want to tell you something. If you sin against God long enough, your sinning becomes sinful. And when that happens, God's going to convict us. He does. Guys, listen. If you can have a Sunday religion where that's the only time you ever have anything to do with God, you never ever pray, you never ever read your Bible, you never have time with God, except when you go to church, and then you're never convicted. You have habitual sins in your life tonight that no longer bother you. These things are things that you know are wrong, but you've got a custom to having them there. Because I'm going to tell you what, Jesus loves us too much to leave them there. And you know what he does? If you spend time with Jesus and then you get in the Word, D.L. Moody said that this Word, the Bible, will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this Bible. <laughs> My mama told me one time, I know the Bible's real because when I open it up in the morning, Jesus always shows me things I wouldn't choose to know about. <laughs> I wouldn't want to read about. And I just listen to this. As he convicts us with sin, a real relationship with Jesus, he's gonna, you're going to be in a relationship with him. He's going to be in your life. He's going to be convicting you. And guess what? He's going to convict you so that you can repent. You know what happens when we have Satan's spiritual substitute? He wants to have a, a Sunday morning religion without really a true relationship. He wants you to have a confession of faith, but there's no true conviction of sin. If you wonder if you're maybe susceptible to this, when's the last time the Holy Spirit pointed out a specific sin? I know we all say, oh, I'm a sinner. Forgive me, God. But if you get close to God, He's going to get specific. 
Jesus will show you the things that are hindering your relationship. That's keeping you from entering in and being filled and anointed and empowered with the fullness of the spiritual life he wants to give to you. So he's going to convict you. And what he's going to do is... The goodness of God is what leads us off to repentance. The good. You see, you can't have all the goodness of God. The best thing of God is His holy presence in our life. His overflowing spirit in our life. If you live in sin and you reject conviction and you don't confess your sin and you don't let Him turn you in repentance to Him away from your sin, let me tell you what's going to happen to you, my friend. You're going to grieve the Holy Spirit of God to the point you quench the Holy Spirit of God and the all eternity you've got left is religion because it's going to hurt your relationship. His relationship is based on His ability Through the love and our love and his love for us to convict us to where we willingly repent. You see, the gospel is repent and believe in the gospel. So what Satan wants you to do is to have a self-righteousness. I go to church. I'm a Christian. I got my name on a roll. I give money. I sing in a choir. I preach from a pulpit. (laughs) I'm righteous. But guys, listen. He wants us to have a life that's full and expected of repentance. He wants us to be able to turn from sins. And guys, listen, when God is active in a life, this is not a popular message. But I'm going to tell you what, you take the Bible, I'm going to show you a person in a minute. Paul said, there's going to be lots of people who have a form of godliness, but there's no power in their life. They're going to always be learning, but they're never going to come to a knowledge of the truth. They're going to be deceived by a false message. And friends, the message of Jesus is that he wants us to be his holy people, to be set apart, to be cleansed, to be washed, to be walking in righteousness with him. Listen to this. He doesn't want us playing church. He wants us to be under his lordship. Guys, as long as you never ever are convicted of your sin to the point you confess your sin, to the point you ask God to forgive you and change you and you experience repentance, that you're turning from sin and turning to Christ, That you're drawing closer to him and further from the world. We sang that song. I have decided to follow Jesus. The world behind me. The cross before me. We sing it. And then we don't do it. Guys listen. He expects us not to come play in church. But to pledge allegiance to Christ. He's Lord. And guys listen. What happens when you have a Sunday religion. But not a real relationship to where you're daily encountering Jesus. To where you abide in him and he abides in you. Like the vine and the branch. And his life is being flowed into you. And as his life opens your eyes. And his spirit touches your heart. You're sensitive to your sin. So you're convicted. And because he's so good. He's so wonderful. You say Lord you're better than my sin. Lord thank you for convicting me. Lord help me now to repent. So you turn to him. And you pledge your allegiance to him. I don't just want you to be my savior. I want you to be my Lord. I want to be under your authority. Jesus your life is better than that life. God take my life Lord. Here it is. Use it for your glory. So you're not playing church. You're pledging allegiance. Then you have a spirituality that is not without the Savior. There's a lot of people in the church today that your spirituality is all dependent on what they do in church. And friends, listen. A spirituality that you don't have a daily time with the Savior is not what God intended for us to have. Listen. What you end up with when you have a spirituality that's not daily dependent upon the Savior. That's weekend hobby religion. 
that you don't ever get convicted. You can't remember the last time you confessed sin. The last time God turned you to repent. And you're not really under His allegiance. What you end up doing is having a lot of spiritual activity, but very few spiritual accomplishments. You know what I've come to find? You get filled with spin, and you step in this pulpit, and you can preach this word. It can be accurately divided. It can be preached with truth. But if you're living a life that you're ashamed of with God, He won't give it enough power to save an ant, much less a person. It won't do anything. It'll just be sounding, tinkling brass. But when you're right with God, He empowers our lives. He uses it for His glory. Guys, listen. A godly profession without any godly power, there's no life change. There's no leaving the world and going to Jesus. Our life should be manifesting Christ-likeness. What is that? The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. All those things are the character of Jesus. And when you allow Him to be Lord, and you allow Him to convict you, and you turn from your sin, and you pledge allegiance to Him, He changes our lives. And then your spiritual activity produces a spiritual accomplishment. You know what the Bible says? To be in Christ is to be a new creature. All things pass away, behold, all things become new. Friends, I'll tell you what. I love to preach sermons that make people laugh and bring joy into their life. But I'm going to tell you what, if I made people laugh and always encouraged and I never told you the whole truth, you know what the best thing that will ever happen to us? is when we let the Spirit of God and the Word of God examine us. I want you to think about this with me. I want you to look at this. Spiritual activity, the things that you're doing for the church, through your religion, does not prove that your Christian experience is genuine. <laughs> And if you really think about this, true evidence that proves a Christian experience is authentic and biblical must be the things that you're doing with Jesus. So if you took away all the things you do in public worship, the things you do with Jesus, and they're all good things, here they are, let's look at them. Following Jesus will involve us participating in activities. Church attendance is good, it's biblical, amen? Do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Supporting the church's activities. You need to be at the rodeo, rain or shine. You come with your umbrella praying for Brother Dennis. Praying for souls to be saved. Amen. Amen. I had a deacon told me that why not if we have a rat killing, you ought to be there. <laughs> Amen. Serving in our church ministries. You ought to be looking for anywhere and everywhere that you can help serve and help the cause of Christ through this church if this is your church. And then sharing our church experience. You ought to be inviting everybody today up to this place. You ought to be telling everybody about what God's doing in your life. You ought to be telling everybody about the goodness of Jesus and what he's doing at this church. But I want you to think about that. Doing all these things does not guarantee that I'm saved and following Jesus. Think about this. If you took away everything that you only do at church and the only thing that you can count is the things you do just with Jesus. How often do you pray with him? How much time do you spend with Him? How important is that to us? How much time do you spend in the Word saying, Talk to me, Lord. I need to hear from you today. Oh, Lord, if you'll just speak into my heart. How much time do you spend depending on Him to help you compared to all the other things we spend looking for help? See, guys, it's easy for Satan to deceive us. And he's doing it every day because we're running to and fro 
And we're allowing all these things that are good things to take the place of him. Listen, Sunday religion without a daily relationship is not true, genuine salvation. Confession of faith without a conviction of sin and a conviction of sin that never leads to repentance is not the righteousness that comes from God. That's a self-righteous, our religious. Listen, play in church if we're not really under his lordship. And guys, we think, well, that's a lot to say from that verse. But Jesus said the same thing in the Sermon on the Mount. I'm almost through. Jesus said, not everyone who says to me will enter the kingdom of God. Look at that. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. That's not someone who rejects God. That's someone who believes in Jesus. That's someone who calls him Lord, Lord. Someone who thinks they're going to Beulah land. <laughs> that they're in the kingdom. And he says, but he who does the will of my father from my whole life since I got saved and I began to preach. I began to look at that. It troubled me. What does that mean? The will of the father. He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom. But he who does the will of my father. What is the will of the father? First, let me show you what it's not. It's not doing church and good things. Because he says, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, if we not prophesied, if we not witnessed, if we not invited people to church, did we not tell people about Jesus? Did we not preach from pulpits? Many people are going to say, we cast out demons in your name. There's going to be people that say, we did many wonders in your name. In the name of Jesus. But Jesus said, and then I will declare to them, and this is the will of the Father, to know us and for us to know Him. Not to be religious, not to have seconds. If you ever get to the cross, you'll never be the same. If one drop of the blood ever touches your sinful soul, it'll be different than it's ever been. You'll never look back. You'll remember when you meet Jesus, it's life changing. Amen. And friends, listen, he said, I will declare to them, I never knew you. What does he base it upon that he doesn't know them? You who practice lawlessness. And you know what breaks my heart as the church? I'm a pastor. I've been pastoring for 23 years. Three churches. And most people in the church today's lives are filled with the practice of lawlessness. I'll preach a sermon sometimes and I'll say, Lord, you give me this sermon. Lord, they're going to think I'm preaching at them. Lord, I just talked to them about this the other day. And they're going to think I'm picking on them. And you can hammer down the word of God thinking, boy, this is going to convict them. And they just smile at you like a possum. <laughs> Don't even bother them. And I'm thinking, Lord. And then there's other times people will come to you. And they'll tell you things that is going on in their life. And you'll say, how could that be going on? Because I'll tell you what, Brother Dennis, we got a man of God here, my friend, that preaches us the truth. Who shares the word of God. Who tells it to us the way it is. And guys, listen. Dennis will tell you it's a relationship. It's not religion. This ain't the Dennis Aaron show. This ain't the open range show. This is Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And friends, listen tonight. If we're not careful, we'll settle for a substitute that Satan is manufacturing and he's real good in. He'll let you have all the good music you want. He'll let you have all the fellowship you can stand as long as you never get a real relationship with Jesus. Tonight, I would say most of us here, I would want to believe, know the Lord. <laughs> and he knows us. But even knowing him, it's real easy for us to allow the substitutes. That Diet Coke, my friend, it don't work. 
I was drinking that thing. I started getting used to it. But I want to tell you something. All of a sudden, I drank a real Coke. And I'm going to tell you what. Diet Cokes don't work. Have you noticed that? You ever seen a skinny person drinking a Diet Coke? That ain't none. False religion don't work either. You'll come here to make you feel a little bit better. But before you get home, the problem's already got you. You'll come here, you'll think, I did good tonight. You'll try. You'll say, Lord, I'm doing it. I'm working it out. I'm going to fix it. Lord, give me time. Help me, Jesus. I'm going to make it right. You'll you'll hear when Jesus comes back, still trying to make it right. If you're going to wait till you make it right, you're never coming, friend. You've got to come just as you are with all your sin, with all your problems, with all the nasty ugliness that makes you who you are without Jesus and say, Lord, I'm coming. You know what Jesus said? Everyone who comes... I'll let him in. I'll not turn any away. Is there anybody who's came that's not happy? Is there anybody that wants a refund? Is there anybody that says he ain't who he said he is? That he can't do what he says he can do? Is there anybody here tonight that would say it's not the real thing? How many of you knows the difference between a real Coke and a Diet Coke? Amen? How many of you knows the difference between Jesus Christ and religion? I don't know about you. I was religious for 33 years. I only knew God God from secondhand knowledge, but I met Jesus. And all I can tell you is when you meet him, it's never the same. Tonight, maybe you need as a Christian to say, Lord, thank you tonight for convicting me. Thank you that there's some things in my life that are hindering, that's hurting our relationship. Thank you for pointing them out. I don't have to point them out to you. The Holy Spirit is able to do that. But I can tell you right now, you can't live in habitual practice of sin and have a real genuine relationship with Christ and when Jesus comes into your life he's going to convict you and then he's going to ask you to repent and he's going to help you to do it tonight he doesn't want you to just say I'm sorry forgive me he wants you to say Lord help me to quit and you commit to him tonight there may be people in us that are saved and God shows you tonight I need to rededicate I need to recommit the Bible calls that repentance and I'm going to ask you if God's showing you that to repent tonight To turn back tonight. To renew your allegiance to Christ. Pledge it. Say, Lord, even if he tells you to come to this altar and kneel as a sign of submission. And say, Lord, I'm going to kneel. I'm coming as a Christian. Thank you for saving me. Lord, I'm confessing. Yes, I've got away from you. Yes, I've sinned. Lord, I want to repent. Grant me that ability to turn from my sin and turn to you and come to Christ. Tonight, I don't know about you, but can you imagine what it must feel like to God when he's made it available for us? to have real church and we settle for playing church so I'm going to invite you if you need to come tonight I'm going to pray here in a minute to this altar Nathaniel's going to play softly if you're a Christian but more important tonight you realize I've had religion for a long time I've confessed Jesus my whole life but I've never convicted of sin I got all kinds of things in my life that if you knew about it would curl your hair God knows about it, but friends, He loves you every hair on your head. And if you'll come tonight, not only will He forgive you, but He'll help you to repent and He'll help you turn. If you'll pledge your life to Christ, Christ will give His life fully to you. And friends, listen, that's what it's all about. As we bow our heads tonight, as we are sitting, if you don't need to come, don't come. But if you want to come to the altar, this altar of grace, I want to invite us tonight to come and pray if you need to or pray with somebody but if you're not saved tonight and you need to be this is tonight that God has ordained for you if you need to come 
Come while you can. We're going to stand. And if you need to come, I'm going to invite you to come. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you tonight that you love us. That, Lord, you have provided a way. Lord, we renounce the devil and all of his evil schemes. Lord, he has no power except to deceive. But yet he's so good at it. And, Lord, we realize that he does and he uses the disguise. The Bible says he disguises himself as an angel of light. And if he does that, be not surprised if his ministers do likewise. But Lord, tonight we want Jesus, all of him, the fullness of Christ. So Lord, for those who aren't saved, I pray that they would be saved tonight, that you'd help them. For those of us who realize there's things in our life that shouldn't be there, help us to understand the importance of letting you work out these things in our life. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.